and welcome to the Riff Raff podcast, hosted by Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. We set up the Riff Raff to champion the work of debut authors and to provide guidance and support for those dreaming of one day being published themselves. This week we're chatting to Emma Glass, author of Peach, which came out on January the 11th. We chat to Emma about how important it is to be fearless and to have fun with your writing, the motivational power of rap music, and the creative barriers associated with limiting yourself to just one genre. Seamstress. Thick stick, sticky sticking, wet ragged wool winding around the wounds, stitching the sliced skin together as I walk, scraping my mittened hand against the wall. Rough red bricks ripping the wool, ripping the skin, rough red skin, rough red head. I pull the fuzzy mitten from my fingers, wincing as the torn threads grip the grazes on my knuckles. It is dark. The blood is black. Dry. Crack, crackly, crackling. The smell of burnt fat clogs my nostrils. I put my fingers to my face and wipe the grease away. It clings to my tongue, crawls in my mouth, sliding over my teeth, my cheeks, dripping down my throat. I am sick. The sick is pink in the moonlight. Fleshy, fatty. I lean against the wall and close my eyes. I swallow hard. I taste flesh, meat. I am sick again. My eyes flicker. Flashes of pink, back to black. My body buzzes against the bricks. I see black, thick black, fat. My eyelids are fat, swollen, swollen black from the slap, smothered in grease from his slippery, slimy sausage fingers. His commands crackle in my ears. Close your eyes. Close them tight. Tight like your... Close them, close them, close them. I see black, his black mouth, a slit in his skin, open, gaping, burnt black, burnt flesh, and his heavy charcoal breath clinging to my skin, suffocating. The tears slide over the grease and off my face. My body buzzes. I need to go home, but it hurts when I walk. I put my hand between my legs and feel the blood and grease. I am sick. I wipe my mouth on my sleeve, put my mitten in my mouth and grind the wool between my teeth. I run. Not far, not fast. It hurts too much. I grind the wool harder. I wish it was steel. I look back. Sick runs in ribbons after me, shimmering pink rivers. I hope it rains. I slip inside. I don't open the door wide. It still squeaks. They will hear. They will corner me in the hall. They will ask me questions. He won't ask about the blood. She won't ask about the rips in my clothes. She will say the rose in my cheeks looks pretty. He will kiss my head and say dinner is at seven. I swallow a mouthful of sick and slip silently up the stairs, still chewing my mitten. Hi, Emma. Emma Glass. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Thank you so much for joining us on the Riff Raff podcast. It's lovely to have you here. Um, So we're absolutely delighted you're here. I absolutely love the book. I know Rosie did too. So for anyone who's yet to pick up a copy of Peach, um, please, can you explain a little bit about what it's about? Um, Sure. So it's it's a celebration of language. It's uh, about a young girl who is um, violently attacked. Um, She's stalked and... um, has a horrific experience, um, but she finds her way in that experience and takes revenge. And I probably shouldn't say any more than that, but it's um, very much uh, a stream of consciousness piece, um, drawing on surrealism and it's very visual. Um, 
and image-driven and language-driven. Mm. So I hope it's doing something a little bit different. It is. It is Definitely. doing something <laughs> But different in a really, really good way. And we'll come on to that a bit, bit later. Because it's incredibly poetic. It's very, very unique. And it's very lyrical to read some... It almost reads like a poem in some areas of it is is poetry in your background at all have you ever written poetry before um no I haven't actually but um I'm really inspired by music um and so when I was writing it I was sort of driven by this beat um and I really love rap music and <laughs> and I, I I really love how um you can place words on a page and the reader doesn't necessarily have to uh, read them out loud to kind of see a, a rhythm or hear a rhythm um so no I don't really have poetry in my background but I I love um James Joyce and I love the poetry of Dylan Thomas um and I'd like to read more poetry <laughs> yeah. oh I, god I would as well <laughs> and, and what's your background in general how did you come to writing um so I actually studied English and American literature and creative writing at university when I was 18 I went to the University of Kent um and I, I sort of I've always written as a child and um really enjoyed creative writing at school but it was something that I um wanted to study uh so I actually started writing Peach as part of my dissertation project um for the creative writing portion of my degree uh but I only had to do the first four chapters so I only did the first four chapters um but had to submit a synopsis with it and actually I found once I had laid out a story um, it didn't actually start with a story more just the the narrative voice but once I laid down the story it kind of really stayed with me and not to draw too many um, comparisons with the book but it was like a seed planted or um, <laughs> or a toxicity if you like that I really needed to get out so it's actually been quite a, a long writing process it was started at university but when I graduated um, I actually went straight into a nursing degree um, so I'm a nurse and um, I had a bit of a break whilst I was studying um, to become a nurse and then I picked it up again I uh, picked Peach up again when I moved to London and um, reconnected with some old friends from uni um, and they were always like, whatever happened to that weird thing you were writing? <laughs> and uh, it was still there. So um, I picked up the synopsis again and just pretty much carried on from where I'd left off. Um, so, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's fun. So, so tell us more about how the kind of idea came to you. Like, is, was there, and obviously you were studying and stuff like that. Were you, was it, yeah, tell us more about how the idea came to you. It's obviously such a unique idea in the way that you've presented it. Yeah, so um, I guess it started, I was uh, studying um, a module called the Contemporary Novel. And um, I was been, being taught by... Um, a very successful um, commercial writer uh, who was who was teaching us how to write stories that would be potentially successful, a very high concept novels. And this was, um, I guess, this would have been two thousand seven. Um, so you know, the lovely bones was very popular mm. at the time. Harry Potter, of course, and um, you know, stories that were very kind of involved in terms of their world and. On the other side of my degree, I was reading um, lots of modernist um, or postmodern um, fiction and was really interested in um, early century writing and just different kinds of language constructs. So um, Gertrude Stein's Tender Buttons really stands out for me. Um, 
also the really odd um, fascist manifesto (laughs) 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 by the futurists, um, not the band. Um, (laughs) But um, as I was reading really interesting and different different things and things that were doing different things with language, but doing them sort of, you know, a hundred years ago or more. um, And I was really frustrated by the idea of writing something um, that was just a pure story, because I think stories are so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, com- being completely obsessed with with music and I just felt really frustrated by the idea of setting out a detective novel where the detective is the murderer mm. um, you know or is dead already um, not that there's anything wrong with that but I, I just I just felt frustrated by these kind of um, very used up in my opinion concepts so I wanted to try something different and um, nothing would come <laughs> um, whenever there's anything to be written or a deadline it just it never happens for me mm-hmm. but um, one night I think I'd been out dancing <laughs> um, and drinking <laughs> and I came back to my room and I put on some music and it I was just really in touch with that kind of frustrated darkness um and I was in a dark room and I just wanted to just try and get out this image that I had of this frustrated girl and then she turned into an upset girl and then she turned into an angry girl and I literally just (laughs) I didn't actually throw up but it felt like I had just thrown up these feelings and I really liked that I mean it was probably because I was a little bit drunk but um I really liked that there was no real kind of form to the sentence and once I started that idea of just putting words down and to me they they worked in in that sequence when I showed my lecture she was like no it doesn't work <laughs> and actually she she was um you know interested that I was trying to do something different but was um actually really convinced that in order to write a successful novel you do have to play by the rules and that's the exact opposite of how I felt um so yeah that's kind of how it started and those first four chapters literally kind of fell out in in a couple of nights really and um, once I had started I couldn't really stop and then I stopped because uh, uh, there's some truth to that you know you I was driven by this narrative voice but actually realizing that there does need to be a story no matter how loose or wild it is so it was only after like hitting that point where I thought I couldn't really carry it on any longer that I started to think about what would happen next and what happens if you bring in different characters um and although I I very much just did an outline of a synopsis it was there and I felt then that it would need to be finished at some point (laughs) because because it is very much like a stream of consciousness how much rewriting went into it because it's it's one of those books that feels like it you almost sat down and wrote it in one go Mm. so I'm I was really interested in whether you did go back and make a lot of revisions to it and whether that changed you know and how how similar are the first four chapters to the the first thing that you wrote are they they're exactly the same (laughs) so the way I write I I edit as I go along and I guess I didn't really realize that I did that until going through the editing process um for publication but uh, it's really handy actually because you don't have to do too I didn't have to do too much to it um so yeah like nothing has has really changed and actually from the first um draft that was submitted to my publisher very little has changed which I'm really pleased about um it felt really organic and authentic when I was writing it so I'm glad that there's been no major edits to it but um every word and every punctuation mark is very carefully placed because of this kind of rhythm that I'm trying to to create Mm -hmm. 
And you've had some amazing feedback on the book. <laughs> you've been compared to Gertrude, Gertrude Stein, haven't you? Yeah. I read that and I was like, oh yeah. my god! Um, <laughs> none other than George Saunders, who is author of... Like, I, I just want to say, I'm just like looking absolutely dying at the moment. Um, George Saunders, who is the author of obviously Lincoln and the Bardo, which won the Van Booker. Yeah. Um, he called you fearless. In fact, he said, your fearlessness renews one's faith in the power of literature, which is a pretty awesome thing. That for... must make you feel like a champion of everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't feel real. When I look at it, I'm, I think I've convinced myself that he's not talking about me. But... No, he is. Did you, and he, he picks up on fearlessness. Did you mm. feel feel did you feel fearless when you were writing it thanks yes I did and um it's really weird for me because I'm I'm a very cautious person generally but when I write I've got to be honest I don't really give a shit (laughs) and it's um really it's really freeing for me and yeah, like I, I realize that some of the content of the book has, has provoked some, some very strong reactions, not always, um, positive reactions in people. And I never really set out to shock or hurt anyone. But, um, I think there's something, um, something really powerful in expressing things like violence. Um, things like themes like revenge and writing darkness there's there can be something really powerful behind that and not always um gratuitous which is what I was really trying to avoid so there is there is violence and darkness there and I went there because I felt like I could and that ability to express for me is like amazing because I don't really (laughs) express a whole lot um generally in my day-to-day sort of life so yeah, I guess it. I guess it is fearless. So although... he's right. You are fearless. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm really annoyed actually because he wrote this really amazing email to um, to the to the publisher, and in it <laughs> he said that I scared the shit out of him, and that is like my favorite thing ever <laughs> that anyone has said about me. Um, but I'm really sad that they couldn't make the <laughs> the cover. <laughs> that didn't go on the cover. Well, you've heard it here first, folks. Um, we will publicize that. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll put it all over Twitter. All over, yeah, it's be everywhere. <laughs> Everyone's going to know that he said that. And so you obviously, like you said, you have used a lot of sort of tools, like fun tools, to kind of create this rhythm. And there's a lot of alliteration and metaphor and symbolism. You know, you name your characters kind of after I assume like peaches after the vulnerability and um, green kind of like I don't know. Is that about the kind of like the safety that he presents? He's like a strong kind of tree kind of character. Please explain more. <laughs> um, I actually feel like the metaphors have come in a lot later like as late as finishing and submitting the book um and like rereading it a couple of years later so um what I was I think what I was really driven by was the fact that I hate metaphors in fiction like just generally I think um and I and I think it's true of a lot of writers when think especially when books are on curriculums when you're studying literature. I doubt Willie Shakespeare was like, I'm gonna put this metaphor in for people to analyze years and years ahead. Um so things reveal themselves after people read it, and I think it only becomes a story once somebody else reads it. To me, what I was really pushing to do, and perhaps I can't explain this without giving this example. So there's um a book by Brett Easton Ellis called Luna Park, which again I was reading around the time of of um, the time of writing P 
Peach. Um, <clears throat> and in the book, he kind of lays out the story. It's supposed to be semi-autobiographical. And um, in the introduction to the book, he says everything that happens in this book is entirely true. And then halfway through the book, you realize that physically it couldn't be entirely true because his house starts melting and all these like really, <laughs> his dog's a demon, you know, all these weird things. But even finishing that book, I was just entirely convinced that it was true. Um, and perhaps I ran a little bit too far with that idea, but um, I guess for me, Peach has two readings. So yes, it's a girl who's violently attacked, but what if she's actually a fruit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what if she goes out with a tree? And I like that there's that duality. Mm. And I think you know, people will read it today and, and obviously the metaphors, but, um, and, and they emerge, but to me, it, it reads very truly and I wanted it to be ambiguous throughout. Um, That's to, worked. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, I'd say she's more, she's more fruit than girl. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind, of, that's kind of how I read it in terms of visual. I, I enjoyed that kind of like picturing the characters like that, you know, yeah. and, like, and and the metaphor was second to the visuals. Of yeah, that, definitely mm. for me. And then, yeah. and then when I kind of had finished it, I was like, I need to read that again, knowing just kind of like I just I just definitely want to give it another read. But what I really yeah. love about it is that everyone has their own truth to it, mm. um, and particularly the ending. I don't want to give too much away, but I've had so many people give these different interpretations, and I'm like, I never even thought of that. To me, this definitely just happens as it goes. So um, it's nice that readers bring their own ideas to it, and that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted it to be a far more interactive reading experience, and I hope that it is hope that it is yeah. that you've mentioned obviously that that the girl peach she she gets violently attacked and there's a you know sexually attacked do you feel any did you feel any pressure or responsibility to depict at least sexual violence in some sort of realistic way in terms of people who might be reading it had been through a similar experience or did you sort of move did you just think well I'm going to write about this and you know see what happens and I think what I was sort of I think so as I've sort of said it was written in a bit of a frenzy um I certainly feel the responsibility now particularly in the sort of society that we're living in um you know sexual assault is is huge um a huge agenda um politically socially um eight years ago it probably was but wasn't quite as um being loudly spoken of as it is now so I feel a huge responsibility now to kind of um, to get that conversation going and be in support of women who have had these horrific experiences. Um, Peach is not in any way autobiographical, but what I wanted to really do was talk about um, feelings that often don't go expressed. And I wanted to try and be with those women who can't or don't talk about their experiences and try and depict that in a very physical way um, as opposed to the silent trauma that so many people suffer. I mean, like I said earlier, lots of people will be upset by some of the content of the book, but by putting in characters that are real, aren't real, are inanimate, you know, or not, um, I feel like that brings the conversation in a much more accessible way because it, there's a distance there um and i and i hope that that 
comes across. Mm, absolutely. It's really one of those books that people project their own stuff onto, isn't it? And so it's really interesting, people's responses to it. Because, you know, a lot of people are just going to be responding to things that they find very ugly and truths that maybe they don't want to express. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, I think if, if you're getting contentious feedback, I think that you're doing something right, yeah, yeah. you know. You don't want, it's not about necessarily being, like, that's the thing, that's what makes a good book is people's interpretation of it and mm. stuff. And that's what and, and like, that's what I enjoy most about reading is the, the world that you see through reading the book. So it's kind of like, it's going to be interpreted by different people in different ways, isn't it? Yeah. So I think you've done a really wonderful job. You should be super proud of yourself. Absolutely. But I also kind of, because when people ask about the book and obviously the the kind of overwhelming theme is this sexual assault and then violence that follows but there's so much tenderness there as well um between peach and some of the other characters um and although it's not a happy story there's moments of light and i think that perhaps people who have experienced things in their own life will see that you you do have that dark feeling and and that kind of oppression and sadness but life is 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 not one-dimensional and there is light and there is hope in certain places um so I really want to try and get that across as well because um for me uh there's humor (laughs) I probably sound like I've got quite a warped sense of humor but there there are some funny um there are some funny bits some funny relationships um and I really wanted to try and depict certain characters that I know in my life through some of these um, and I think it's a really fun way of um, depicting emotion and um, senses of humour through <laughs> the inanimate so like Deli Baby and Mr Custard and you know all the funny things that happen with them um, so yeah I really wanted it to be balanced. Did, did that come in what is you kind of carried on writing a bit more consciously after that sort of frenzy of the beginning did that balance was that more of a conscious thing of thinking okay I need I I feel that I now need to lighten it up a little bit or there needs to be a lighter moment here I think it was much more organic than that so the second half of the book was written um as recently as last year oh my gosh time is just going (laughs) I'm not sure if it was last year now but um what I was more conscious of was a huge split in um, the tone of the narrative voice. I wanted it to be a continuation, but for me, I know exactly where I stopped and exactly where I picked up again. I hope that's not so obvious to the reader, but actually, I and and having taken some some um, criticism from from a few friends who who had had read some of the the earlier bits, you know, they had said, "Oh, it's really sad," <laughs> um, but again, I kind of don't care about that and I, I don't think every story has to be balanced but um the the light and the comedy was a lot more just kind of ingrained in it rather than injected into it um and like I said like I knew where the story was going um and as soon as that narrative voice started and, and when I'd written the first few lines I knew exactly what the fate of Peach was going to be um and I wanted to stay true to that I think in terms of um, future writing, so I, I'm starting my second book now. I'm much more conscious of having a balance um, because I, you know, I, I do think that people read to escape, and they don't always want to escape to dark realms. They, all, you know, often will want um, a mixture of the two. So, whatever I write next will hopefully be a little bit, um, a little bit more accessible to readers who want a bit more of a variety of experience in a book. Yeah. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, how you got your deal? Were you, was there any, because I know you said you meant you did that course where they kind of taught you um, what kind of books would sell. Yeah. So, so there was, was there no kind of concern with this that because it's so out of really a kind of abstract, was there any concern when you were pitching that it wouldn't, it would be you'd face problems or were you fearless in that respect too so i i feel like i've got a bit of a fairy tale story in terms of how i got my publishing deal and i can't take any credit for that whatsoever no um so when i um when when I moved back to London after finishing my nursing degree, I, I mentioned I reconnected with old friends from university and uh, I'm part of a writing group and they were really instrumental in helping me finish um, Peach. And when I finished it, I emailed an old lecturer, um, not the one who was teaching me the contemporary novel, but uh, another lecturer who had read a couple of my short stories, which were also really weird, um, mm. but but really liked that. And I just, we, we lost contact for a few years, but I wanted to see whether... Um, it would live up to the expectation um, and whether whether they were still around and wanting to read it. So I emailed my old lecturer um, whose wife is, is uh, Lucy Elman, who's quite an uh, eminent American writer. Her husband, Todd McEwen, who's amazing, um, taught me at university and he read it. And uh, weirdly, when I emailed him, he was like, oh, I was just thinking about you a couple of weeks ago. I wondered what you were <gasps> what you were up to. And was, life has that yeah. kind of strange thing of bringing you back to people that, you know, who had gone by. But um, he really liked it and he sent it to Lucy and Lucy read it uh, within a couple of hours. And then they were both emailing me like, oh, oh wow. my gosh, you're mad. This is great. Um, so that was really exciting because... I'm a nurse and I have my day job and I love what I love what I do I never really thought that I would become a writer and I only ever really finished it to kind of just close the loop on it um so it was an amazing opportunity and I I I know it's really hard for writers today and what I I don't deal with rejection very well at all in any way, (laughs) in any aspect of my life. So I really didn't like the idea of ending up on the slush pile. And I know that's really hard for writers, but I would encourage people to continue submitting because when it happens, it's incredible. But I was very lucky. Um, Lucy sent it to a couple of different houses. Um, It was rejected by a couple of houses because it's not mains I guess it doesn't have that mainstream appeal and certainly isn't a sure thing and I'm convinced it's still not a sure thing for Bloomsbury now but um she sent it to Bloomsbury um and I met with the editor-in-chief Alexandra who's amazing and we had we just had a chat actually we didn't even talk about the book at all Mm -hmm. um we just chatted and I gave her my life story and talked about the work that I do um at my hospital and she was like great we really like you Um, but I think it's nice that there's kind of um, a couple of dimensions to my situation Um, and she said that she would send it to the rest of her team and Bloomsbury are the sort of house that take it or take books on as a team or take writers on as a team and I like that approach that's how I work um, in my job as well as a team Um, and I was lucky everybody had a reaction to it whether a good or a bad one but they've seen something in it and they wanted to take it forward so um, a couple of weeks later I signed my contract with them um, and that's my happy fairy tale story. Oh, very well deserved. <laughs> yeah, um, I was just wondering whether your job 
has had any input on the, the book because the book is so visceral it's so um related to the body and and you know the sort of how the body is breached as well yeah. and I wondered whether you know being a nurse which is so physical and you know so to do with you know injections and you know, you know blood and things like that is that can you see any collaboration or yeah absolutely I mean the first few chapters where there is that horrible moment of of self-mutilation I actually just I wasn't nursing at that point that is unfortunately just where my mind <laughs> went um but uh since then and certainly when I was a student nurse I had all these incredible experiences um and you really do when you work in the healthcare profession you really do see the human form in a different way um I guess you have to be uh the sort of person that doesn't mind <laughs> blood and guts and puke and poop um <laughs> and alliteration yet again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poetic. So poetic. but Calm um <laughs> I actually I actually work with children so um a lot of my kind of uh, my, my experience of nursing is is different I guess to maybe what the general public think but yeah certainly um I I I am hugely inspired by the work that I do day to day. I, I work with some incredible, resilient people and I work with some amazing children and families. And I'm very fortunate to be, to be working, um, as a nurse in our current climate where we have this incredible health service, um, incredible resources. But yeah, I'm inspired daily by, um, not necessarily the physicality of my work but the human contact mm. and that's something I'm looking to explore in much more detail in my second book um I think I'm just a gross person anyway <laughs> like I've <laughs> I've always been into um scabs and skin <laughs> as a child so yeah I think you either are or you aren't but it takes a lot to gross me out yeah. <laughs> I, that's why Peach has really succeeded because it is very graphic but it's not gross no. I didn't think <laughs> maybe you're one of those gross people too maybe, yeah, <laughs> I am, you are always talking about scouts I, I, I can't get enough of them like, <laughs> so you you did touch on it earlier um what's your about kind of genre and not wanting to be stuck into into this kind of like you know pocket of what genre is and like and that's one thing that I think Rosie and I've both really learned over the course of doing this podcast is that you know, when you're when you're writing fiction, it doesn't have to be a specific genre. But then some some authors definitely do write because they know that certain things are gonna be the bestsellers. Like you know, they know that thrillers and romance and stuff like that, like are the big ones. So, what's your kind of opinion on on that? Um, I think each to their own. Um, <laughs> peach to their own. Peach to their own. Um, I I really. I really enjoy writing that doesn't fall in... I, I mean, I enjoy reading writing that doesn't fall into necessarily specific categories. And I think my little experience of the publishing world, but also how um, writing is developing and, and and I think people are pushing boundaries a lot more. Um, and there's some really interesting things that are being written at the moment um, in different forms. I mean, the thing that, that gave me... 
hope, I think, for stories like Peach was um, the Max Porter, Grief is the Thing with Feathers. Yeah. I, I mean, I read that when I was um, writing the second half of Peach and almost finished, and um, a friend recommended it, and it's a very beautiful book. Um, I started reading it, and I thought, oh, crap, <laughs> somebody's got that first, because <laughs> the voice of the crow... Um, for me is very reminiscent of the narrative voice in Peach but it's incredible that a book like that can be so successful mm. um so I'm you know I I really champion writers that are pushing those constraints I mean I love detective novels I love um uh science fiction novels I'm not a huge romance fan <laughs> <Not> really. um <laughs> but you know I I I think um um what, what am I trying to say? I think social constructs are changing as well. Movies change, TV shows change, books should change mm. as well. What I found really difficult, though, um, not necessarily being in a genre, is um, telling my dad where he can find a copy yeah. of my book. <laughs> you know, he's like, Emma, is it going to be in the thriller section? Is it going to be in the crime section? I need to know so I can tell people where to find yeah. it. And I'm like, Dad, I don't know. Do you know what? where it would go if you've been given any indication no I guess um, Bloomsbury are marketing it as literary fiction but I have been living under a rock for the last (laughs) 10 years so I didn't even know that that was a thing (laughs) I think I didn't talk about it I don't know maybe not I don't know but you've nailed it none of us know what it is you've done it so and so what would you recommend for aspiring writers especially anyone who's writing around their day job which and it sounds like yours is very full-on um what would be your sort of top tips for getting started and for for continuing on and getting it done I think something that's been key to my writing process is I don't think you necessarily need to have a rule book in front of you. I don't think you need to, um, you know, and I know people have different ways of different processes, but I don't think you need a mind map of where your story is going. What I think is most important is if words come, get them down. Um, editing can happen or not. Um, but also don't, I, I, I think writers should really feel free to just express what they want to express. I mean, yes, stories there has to be a story at some point in some way but it doesn't need to be complex to get across complex ideas mm. so I guess my advice would be listen to rap music <laughs> who do you listen to specifically um I'm currently loving Jay House um who is a I think yeah, he's no a <laughs> he's a he's a South London grime artist Excellent. um is but H-A-U-S um H-U-S literally this is my name it's like how, sorry how do you spell that young man's name <laughs> <laughs> I, I like hip-hop so I, I am um, so suggestion so <laughs> um but I also love uh Kendrick Lamar yeah. and I also don't think you can go wrong with some classic Jay-Z there are some oh, see, very, now, now you're talking my language <laughs> yeah. there are some very well hidden album tracks that are just absolute sparklers mm. um but for me also it just to say i'm not i'm not a huge hip-hop head but i also really love um <laughs> emo rock music so put on some <laughs> classic biffy clyro preferably the first or second album um but what i love about music is that again like the genres of liter- uh, literature like spreading there's so much influence of rock in rap and vice versa mm. so 
yeah, get yourself some good good writing music, um, a good playlist. I can't write in silence. You can you can write listening to rap because like that's to me like I tune like rap. I love it because the lyrics are so clever and yeah. it's, and, it's, and I love the the how playful they can be. Like Kendrick Lamar's a genius. Yeah. Like, but that kind of, I I couldn't write while listening to people rap because I'd be so kind of like but is that that's what you listen to while you write is it yeah I guess I'm a good multitasker as a nurse I have to be so um but also my brain is always clouded with noise it doesn't really matter what it is (laughs) and music or or voice (laughs) no I'm joking I'm joking but um yeah I I think sometimes having that kind of minor distraction in the background um really helps with the creative process as well because if you're I mean the hardest thing is sitting down and thinking I've got to write four chapters by such and such that I mean it works for some people but it doesn't work for me and I think a little bit of distraction can put some some kind of um dynamism gosh is that even a word Um, yeah (laughs) in in into work so yeah I think um the other thing I will say and I get a lot of joy out of this is that um at school and at university you're taught correct punctuation and grammar no no, just you don't need to do it. Just like break those rules and see what happens. And so what if you put a comma instead of a full stop or a full stop instead of a comma or a full stop instead of a space? Just have a go and play around um, and, and the results can be really exciting. And also you feel like a badass. We should get like t-shirts with like yeah. grammar rebel check on them or something. Yeah, well, after you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I wear mine as well. You might be in the club. So. I know I'm going to want one. Yeah. I, I do find like your kind of like free kind of just go for it, kind of have fun with it. I think because I, I think writers get so bogged down in what they should be doing and how, what they should be achieving yeah. and what they who they want to be like and all that kind of stuff and it just seems like you've got this lovely attitude towards it that's kind of just have some fun and be free and I think that's really inspiring especially you know you know in you know new year and you know fuck it do what you want and go for it and it clearly has worked yes I must say I've got my fighting talk on today I was hiding for about eight years with this like worried nobody would ever read it or would read it and think I was a nutcase so it's taken a while to get to this point but yeah, I think writing and art is about having fun and being true to yourself. And like you were saying, some writers tend to spring for genres that they think will be successful, but our ideas of success are changing daily. And, you know, I think if your, if, if your art is something that you want to get out into the world, it will find its way. And if it's not meant to be, become a nurse. Cause, uh, cause that's also a great, well. cause yeah. that's also a great job. <laughs> Which hospital do you work at? Let's um, give them a little bit of shout out. I'm, I'm at the Evelina Children's Hospital, which is part of Guys in St. Thomas's. I know it well. Big up the Evelina yeah. message. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, that was, we were going to say, when, so I was going to say, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> How are you feeling? So you just mentioned it there, but how are you feeling about publication? Because what's the what date does it come out? It's the eleventh of January. Eleventh of January, so soon. Yeah, it's literally a month today. Month oh, yeah, of course, you did yeah. say that. that we Sorry. This. Yeah. And um, so, how are you feeling about it? Are you? I'm shitting myself. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really excited actually. Um, I've got some fun fun things planned for publication week. Um, I'm definitely not going to be at work, which is <laughs> so I'll be able to in, enjoy the second part of my life um but yeah I I'm I'm excited I'm a little bit worried um I guess that's just kind of like who wouldn't be um and I I really I I just really hope that people read it and kind of 
connect with it in whichever way. I mean, I'm worried about um, bad reviews. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think like when I knew that this would be happening, I sort of thought if I get a one star review, that's okay because it's affected somebody that much that they they felt the need to to you know slate it completely or if it gets a five star review like, great because somebody's really connected what i'll be really sad with are those middle of the road reviews because i'm you know i don't think it's doing um anything um no i'm sorry that's not what i was trying to say i think it's doing something really different and whether a, a you know a good re- a strong good reaction or a strong bad reaction that's where i want to hit yeah hit the readers um anything middle of the road yeah we're, we're me and amy will just go on amazon and just flood it with like really yes, strong good and bad reviews <laughs> yes <ever>. please yeah <laughs> but then but then what i'm finding like with goodreads or the net gallery reviews is that if you get loads of one stars and loads of four stars you end up with a three star and that's like oh, the worst yeah, who wants a three worst. star yeah, absolutely <laughs> i'm sure it'll all be five stars yeah. just positive mental attitude and, and just, yeah it's and incredible. it deserves it exactly and Emma will be reading Mount Peach <laughs> at the Riff Raff on Thursday, which is really exciting. We can't wait to have you. Um, you're going to be reading alongside Will Dean, CJ Tudor, Tara Westover and Fiona Mitchell. It's an absolutely cracker of a yeah, lineup. It's a corker. Um, <laughs> and you can buy tickets by going to the hyphen riffraff.com. And we can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's uh, yeah. Thank you for pleasure. chatting to me. It's been lovely. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. Please do let us know what you think, what you'd like more of, and any debut authors you'd like to hear from. Also, it would be really lovely if you could subscribe and give us a review so we can spread the word and give these marvelous debut authors the exposure they deserve. The Riff Raff Podcast is hosted by co-founders Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. Come say hey at the-riffraff.com. Thank you.